0: Section 26 of Life of Sir Walter Raleigh by Louise Creighton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 15. Raleigh's Last Voyage. Part 2. At last Raleigh himself fell ill. He caught a severe cold from being suddenly called from his bed by a violent storm. For a time his life seemed in danger, and when at last Cape Oyapoke, now Cape Orange, was sighted, he was unable to rise from his bed to look at the welcome land. The ships coasted along for three days, and on the 14th November Raleigh had himself carried on shore at Kayana, now the River Cayenne. He pined for fresh air and change from his uncomfortable sick bed on board the ship which was in a frightful state, from the sickness and death of so many men. Raleigh's first thought on nearing land was to inquire for his former Indian servants these men had looked eagerly for his return and had boarded the ships which had come from england under Camus, lee and harcourt in anxious hope of finding him one of them harry by name had been with him in england and after living two years in the tower with him had gone back to his own country he now sent provisions beforehand by his brother to announce his coming he had forgotten most of his english but not his love for his old master He brought with him bread and plenty of fresh meat and fruit, which Raleigh did not at first dare to eat, on account of his state of health. But he began by degrees to gather a little strength. Though it was thirteen years since he had been amongst them, the Indians had cherished his remembrance as that of the great cacique, who had done no harm, but only brought them hope of happy days and freedom from the hated Spaniards. From Cayana Raleigh wrote to his wife, Sweetheart, I can yet write unto you with but a weak hand, for I have suffered the most violent calenture for fifteen days that ever man did and lived. But God that gave me a strong heart hath also now strengthened it in the hell-fire of heat. He went on to tell of the sickness and bad weather which had assailed them. He spoke gratefully of the presence of the governor's wife, saying that without them he could not have lived. He had preserved the fruit in fresh sand, and had some of it still to his great refreshing. There were a few joyful pieces of news in the letter for the wife and mother. Your son, wrote Raleigh, had never so good health, having no distemper in all the heat under the line. And again, to tell you that I might be king of the Indians were a vanity, but my name had still lived among them. Here they feed me with fresh meat, and all that the country yields, all offer to obey me this letter was taken home by one captain ally who was obliged to return for his health in the safe harbour formed by the mouth of the river kayana they refreshed themselves cleaned and repaired their ships took in water and set up their barges on the fourth of december they again set sail and had some difficulty in getting over the bar at the mouth of the river it had now become clear that raleigh's state of health made it impossible for him to lead in person the expedition of the orinoco in search of the mines besides this impossibility says raleigh in excuse of his not having gone neither would my son nor the rest of the captains and gentlemen have adventured themselves up the river having but one month's victuals and being thrust together a hundred of them in a small fly-boat had i not assured them that i would stay for them at Trinidado, except i were sunk in the sea or set on fire by the spanish galleons for that they would have adventured themselves upon any other man's word or resolution, it were ridiculous to believe. Both for the sake of his own health and for the safety of the explorers, it was necessary that Raleigh should stay with the chief body of the fleet. No one else could be depended upon with perfect security to await their return, whatever dangers might beset him. Next came the difficult question to whom the command of the exploring party was to be given. The only person in any way fitted to take it was Captain Camus. He was a brave and faithful man and knew the country well. But more was wanted for such a difficult post, and Camus, though a faithful servant, was not an intelligent commander. He was not able under difficult circumstances to choose the right course and abide by it. He was not able to look before and see the result of his actions. Still there was no one better, and so the general command of the expedition was given to him, while the land forces were put under George Raleigh, a nephew of Sir Walter's, under whom young Walter commanded a company. On the 15th December Camus, with the five smaller vessels of the fleet, parted from Sir Walter at the Triangle Isles. Raleigh gave him minute instructions as to the course he was to pursue. It was supposed that there was a Spanish town near the mine. The explorers were to avoid this and encamp between the town and the mine. They were then to examine the nature of the mine. If it proved very rich and the Spaniards began to attack them, they were to drive back the Spaniards. Raleigh had no fear of breaking the peace if he were sure of carrying home great riches. But if the mine did not prove rich, they were to content themselves with carrying off one or two baskets full, enough to satisfy James I that the mine really existed. On the other hand, if, as it seemed possible, a Spanish force had been sent, in obedience to warnings from Madrid, to oppose their approach to the mine, Camus was to be careful how he landed, for, said Raleigh bitterly, I know a few gentlemen accepted. what a scum of men you have! and I would not for all the world receive a blow from the Spaniards to the dishonor of our nation. He concluded by promising that they would find him on their return at Punto Gallo, dead or alive. If you find not my ships there, he added, you shall find their ashes, for I will fire with the galleons if it come to extremity, but run away I will never. So they parted. Better had it been for them if they had never met again if their worst fears had been realized if of raleigh and his ships nothing indeed had been left but the ashes burnt after a hopeless and desperate struggle with spanish galleons but it was not so to be there was to be tragedy enough but it was tragedy deeper than defeat in battle raleigh spent the time of their absence in cruising about trinidad observing the nature of the coast and of the birds and flowers that were to be found there on the 13th February his diary abruptly closes. It is probable that on the next day he heard news which even he had not sufficient courage to write down. What need was there to record the events of the voyage any longer? Camus and his companions entered the Orinoco by its principal mouth past Punto Aniegara, now Port Barima, and continued their journey up the river till the 1st January, When they reached the island of Yaya, called Asapana by Raleigh, they passed on, hoping to reach the mine before the Spaniards could hear of their presence on the river. Great was their surprise when they perceived among the trees on the river bank a cluster of houses which was clearly a Spanish settlement. It was a new town of San Tome, which had sprung up since the English were last there, and consisted of one hundred and forty houses, or rather bamboo huts, with a church and two convents they could not hope to pass on to the mine unseen by the Spaniards. Still to have gone on would have been far the wisest course. They might then have reached the mine, and there, if need be, have repelled the attack of the Spaniards. But here Camus showed his want of wisdom. He began at once to land his men. The Spaniards had been warned of their coming by an Indian fisherman, and formed an ambuscade from which they attacked the English, but were soon forced back upon San Tome. In the night of the first January, the English attacked the town. The Spaniards made a gallant defense, though they were very inferior in numbers. They continued fighting till the English reached the little open square in the middle of the town, then they threw themselves into the houses and fired upon their foes till the English set fire to the houses when they were forced to fly into the forest. Whilst the English were fighting their way into Saint-Tomé, none had fought more bravely than young Walter Raleigh. He had been wounded but still pressed on, encouraging the rest, till a blow felled him to the ground to rise no more. His last words were, Go on, may the Lord have mercy upon me and prosper your enterprise. So, to gain a miserable little Spanish settlement, where for all their searching the English could find no treasure, this bright young life had been lost, which was dearer far to Raleigh than all the gold in Guiana. The next day young Raleigh and four others who had fallen were buried in the church. All the soldiers followed under arms with muffled drums beating, pikes trailing, and five banners carried before them. They laid their admiral's son near the altar, and this sad task done, there remained the question, what was to be done next? Camus seems to have lost heart and courage. He started with two launches to go up the river in search of the mine, but he was attacked by some Spaniards who killed nine of his men. He turned back to San Tome for more. His men were beginning to grow discontented, whilst the difficulties in his way increased daily. The Spaniards who knew the country well were watching his movements from the thick woods or the river bank, ready to spring upon him at any unguarded moment. How was he to reach the mine? And besides, what would be the good of finding it? He could neither hold it nor work it. It would only fall into the hands of the Spaniards. Even if he could take any gold back safely to England, it would only be seized by the king. Camus gave way before the difficulties which beset him and determined to go back to the ships. Before he did so, George Raleigh made an expedition up the river for one hundred and ten leagues, with a view of examining the fitness of the country for colonization. He was struck with its rich resources, but amongst the crowd of discontented men at San Tome, the scum of the whole earth as Raleigh called them, there were none capable of sharing his views. He found them on his return only more impatient to return. So at last they turned their backs on the mine and dropped down the river again, leaving San Tome in ashes and carrying with them only the small amount of booty they had found in the town. Camus had already sent the sad tidings of young Walter's death to the admiral by an Indian pilot. Now he brought the news of the total failure of the expedition. It was not to be expected that Raleigh would listen to his excuses with patience. What availed such feeble apologies when everything was lost?' since Camus had not even brought back a basketful of gold to prove that the mine existed. Raleigh listened to him with growing anger, and at last burst forth. It is for you to satisfy the king, since you have chosen your own way, I cannot do it. Camus had been full of remorse before, and grew more and more dispirited, as he tried in vain during two wretched days to convince either himself or his admiral that he had acted rightly. He had lost his old master's confidence. He had ruined Raleigh's credit, as Raleigh bitterly told him. At last, he wrote a letter in excuse of his conduct to the Earl of Arundel, who had been one of the chief promoters of the enterprise, and brought it to Raleigh. Raleigh would not look at it. You have undone me, he said, by your folly and obstinacy, and I will not favour or colour in any sort your former folly. Camus asked sadly if this was his final resolution and when Raleigh said it was camus said as he turned toward his cabin i know then what course to take a little while afterwards the report of a pistol was heard and raleigh sent a boy to ask what had happened camus called out from his cabin to the boy that he had fired the shot to clean his arms half an hour afterwards the boy went into the cabin and found camus lying dead upon his bed, a long knife in his heart. The pistol had only broken a rib, and he had finished the work with his knife. Discontent and mutiny were beginning to break out in the fleet. Raleigh would have liked still to make a desperate attempt to find the mine, but no one would second him. Letters had been found at San Tome from Madrid, warning the settlers of his coming he felt as if he had been betrayed to the spaniards and he heard moreover that daily reinforcements from spain were expected if his men would not agree to face the risks of another attempt to find the mine they might at least lie in wait for the mexican fleet but they would agree to nothing and two ships even deserted him the exact date from which he set sail from trinidad is not known but on march twenty first he wrote to winwood of whose death in October he had not heard, from St. Christopher's in the Antilles. He had nothing to write of, he said, than of the greatest and sharpest misfortunes that have ever befallen any man. After giving an account of all that had happened, he said that had it not been for the desertion of the two ships, I would have left my body at St. Tome by my sons, or have brought with me out of that or other mines, so much gold ore as should have satisfied the king that i had propounded no vain thing. What shall become of me now I know not. I am unpardoned in England, and my poor estate consumed, and whether any other prince or state will give me bread I know not. To his wife, he wrote, I was loath to write, because I knew not how to comfort you, and God knows I never knew what sorrow meant till now. Comfort your heart, dearest Bess, i shall sorrow for us both i shall sorrow the less because i have not long to sorrow because not long to live my brains are broken it is a torment for me to write and especially of misery raleigh seems to have gone to newfoundland on his way home the fleet met with much rough weather the men were discontented and mutinous and when raleigh reached plymouth on the twenty-first of june his ship the destiny was alone. The other ships had deserted him. End of section 26